0: Welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Rochon, A.J. Riley, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Bassett, bringing you the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are,
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to, once again, another edition of the Sports Carnage Podcast. I'm Ryan Griffin, joined by AJ Riley and Paul Rochon. Uh, Matthew Bassett not able to join us this week, but hopefully next week or the week after. And then we'll have all all the gang once together again, and it'll it'll feel pretty good. Uh, this weekend, there was a big, you know, the big weekend of sports, I should say. Obviously, the NFL kicked off. You had a, a ton of fun games. The Thursday night game was fun. The Monday night game was fun. So you had like book-ended games that people actually wanted to watch. You had the, the Manning cast on the Monday night football. But, you know, our main focus, obviously, is going to be what's happening here uh, locally in Detroit with the Lions. The Lions look like they're about to get blown out. They came all the way back had a chance to steal it at the end. Um, but I think the, the main point that was taken away from that game was the play of Panaisul uh, Panaisul. sorry, I mispronounced your first name, uh, Mr. Sewell is what I'll call you, <laughs> uh, the the heavily criticized rookie, uh, you know, throughout training or throughout training camp, throughout the preseason, really, where he didn't uh, look look too good at right tackle. Before the game, we had news that Line's left tackle Taylor Decker was dealing with an injury in his hand or his finger, um, so he was going to be sidelined for a little bit, which shifted t- which shifted Sewell back over the left tackle for this game to go against Nick Bosa, and he played extremely well for, you know, shifting back to his his more natural position and dealing with one of the best defenders of the NFL. So immediately the question came up and it's one that we're going to attempt to answer for you is what should the Lions do when Taylor Decker immediately comes back? Should they put Panay Sewell back at right tackle where he was playing in the preseason and where the plan was the plan for the season? Or because Sewell looks so good and if he continues to look good, should they tell Taylor, you know, hey, kick rocks and go to right? Uh, or, or it might not be working out for you here uh, and they're going to let, you know, and let Sewell kind of be the, the left tackle that he's meant to be.
0: So I <sighs> – you kind of opened up saying like he was heavily criticized, right?
1: In the preseason. I yeah. think
0: that's I think it's a little off base because there was always the caveat. It was the he's struggling, but the transition to right tackle is going slowly, but everyone, at least the people that I talked to, the tone that I heard people discuss him in, nobody expected this to be a long-term issue. Most people were unified in loving the pick. They were very happy that Sewell fell to the Lions because most people, most pundits, most projections didn't have Sewell falling to the Lions. And then he did, and people were pretty darn happy with the pick. We were like, I mean, you famously said live that we just drafted a Hall of Fame left tackle. Keyword there, by the way, left tackle. I didn't even disagree with you. I... I could see a very Joe Thomas like career trajectory for him. I feel like that sentiment was reflected by so many people. and I don't think the early preseason struggles actually dampen that. And that's why i I don't want to say like he's heavily criticized because criticism, it's not criticism to say like this guy's not is not necessarily playing well yet, but we think he's going to get there. he's having rookie struggles and he's learning a new position. That's a little different than being like, wow, this guy sucks, he can't cover anybody, and he was a bum pick. Like, that's why I just, I kind of, to me anyways, there's an important distinction there. And the, the reason I'm talking about that is, if he stayed at right tackle, and if he continued to struggle for a good portion of the year, rookie or not, I feel like the majority of people, both fans and pundits that cover the team, would have criticized the Lions more than the player in large part for mismanaging him. You have an elite left tackle, left tackle that fell into your lap, and you're asking him to play a new position, not because you have Joe Thomas on the left side, but for freaking Taylor Decker.
2: Let me ask you this real Why quick. Would you, it, yeah, ask him. Contract situation for Decker? Did we just sign, re-signed him? Correct. We just extended it. Okay, perfect. Him. Big contract. So, so here's what I what I think personally. I thought Sewell did a great job, and I think that you can maybe attribute some of those struggles preseason to the fact that being a left tackle in college and then moving to the right side can be difficult, right? At first, you could almost liken it to a Nick Castellanos trying to learn third base and then learn right field. I think him being there on See, Sunday I, and being comfortable in what he's known is is good. Now, could Decker make the transition easier to right tackle?
0: I, he should have been a right tackle from the beginning, anyways, because okay. he's not good enough to play. Okay, line. so but, then
2: there's my there's <laughs> that's the point that I want to get to. If that is what is best for your team, even though he's seen as a top third, you could put the feelers out there and always have him on the block. But I would let your rookie that you spent the high draft capital on that is more of the future of your team than Decker get as comfortable in that position as he can get.
0: So there's a few reasons I don't think it's in the best interest of the team. I won't be mad if they just move Decker to right. I'll not be mad. But I don't think it's the best thing we can do. One thing that Decker does very poorly Even in his career year last season, which, God, I always love signing people during or after a career year. Just fantastic timing. He can't run block, dude. Like, the guy does not move anybody off the line of scrimmage to open up holes in the run game. And the modern NFL is a little bit different, but you still generally prefer your right tackle to be able to move guys off the ball so you can run off the right side. Your you left tackle has to be a really good pass protector. you got a right-handed quarterback, protect his blind side. And you want your right tackle to be able to run block. On top of that, especially for a guy that's really a one-dimensional tackle, he makes way too much to throw it right. I mean, we're not talking. We're no longer talking. He's an elite Elite is a word that I'm using very casually here. I don't believe it at all. But he is viewed as up there among left tackles in large part because he's, at least last year, was very, very good in pass protection. You take that same prototype and throw him on the right, he's league average at best. And he makes a lot of money when you could shore up that cap. Now, we would take a big cap hit right now to do it. But we would take a big cap hit because of the bonuses. But if you can trade him, you what, that money is off the books when you're going to need it in a few years. And because of the value he brings as a left tackle, a coveted left tackle around the league, something kind of a rare commodity, you could get some real draft capital. It, it may be even with, with a decent player or two in, in a nice little package for him. And then... You can find your right actual right tackle of the future and leave school. That's what I would do.
2: What would what would the cap hit be? And obviously, would the cap hit go down as right the years like? Let's say we traded him this off season. Would that be less of a cap hit than it would be trading him now?
0: So I will let while I look this up because I'll I'll find it pretty quickly. But we don't we don't need any dead air. I, I want to hear what Ryan has to think, and, and then I'll give you the deets on those numbers.
1: I think the the perfect scenario for Decker is, so first off, let me answer the the question that I asked and kind of take this in in order. I would keep Sewell at left tackle, and I think Taylor Decker is a, a fine left tackle, but Sewell, to me, has a way higher ceiling, and I don't know, even if Taylor Decker gets a little better, I don't see him being what Sewell could become, which is the best left tackle in the NFL. So I'm going to take my chances um, and hope that happens, because if I'm going to have any success as a team, it's probably because, you know, Penaisul ended up being a top one, two, three left tackle in the NFL. Uh, And I would move Taylor Decker to right because, again, I don't think he's a negative at all on the offensive line. And if you can trade him, fantastic. You know, you have to get the value for him. I think he has, like, three years left on his contract, though. So this is kind of where, like, the dream scenario, I guess, would come in for me is the Lions, like, they're probably quickest window to compete is going to be in about two or three years. Um, so Decker is signed four years. It looks like he's signed through 2025. And then after 2025, he's a, uh, he's an unrestricted free agent. He, he
0: is um, actually really signed. After
1: 2024, he's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. So well it's say it's, like that twenty twenty four year, right? Where Taylor Decker, uh his cap hit would be seventeen point six, his yearly cash thirteen point seven. Um sorta of like you saw with Stafford and quarterbacks where You know, he signed, he's the highest paid quarterback ever. And then in a couple years, it starts to look like a bargain because everybody's getting so much money. And I understand he'd be a right tackle. He'd probably still be one of the higher paid right tackles. Um, So it'd definitely be a bargain for a left tackle, maybe not so much for a right tackle. But you look at it now and it's like, yeah, he's making way too much. But as these contracts start to go up, I think by the time you are looking at 2024, if Decker is still on the team, um, and he'll be... 31 years old then he'll be 32 the next year uh you know how, how years and birthdays work and stuff so by by that time the lions if brad holmes and dan campbell are doing a good job should be ready to compete um at least seriously for you know a, a division right maybe a super bowl maybe something further but they should be a good team they still shouldn't be like tanking for draft picks. so by that time you know if you have sewell who if he is what i think he is he will be an all pro uh at that point you'll have a quarterback who isn't jared goff obviously we don't know if he's any good but we've seen teams without good quarterbacks you know be in the hunt in the playoffs before um you obviously probably still have deandre swift i think jamal williams is signed into maybe only for the next two years or something um but you're going to have these pieces, right? And then they're probably going to use a lot of that draft capital to build up the defense. So the defense that looks really bad now, it'll look totally different. And if everything, if everything comes together, which I'm sure is is what the plan is, um, they should be ready to compete by that time. And you no, know, Taylor Decker won't have like just this monstrous. Uh, it won't look like such a big cap number just compared to some of the other money that the other tackles around the league are getting. And I think he'll still probably be a pretty good. Uh, he'll probably be a pretty good tackle at that point. And it's not even necessarily like if he plays well, he's going to get a huge contract after because he by that time he'll be you know over thirty years old. So to me, the dream scenario is you move Sewell to left and you know Taylor Decker to right, and then in twenty twenty four you have your offensive line uh, already set, and it's not. You know, and Taylor Decker isn't taking up just so much of the uh, of the money that you know the, the Lions have to spend, um, and he becomes you know kind of like a semi bargain for for what he's giving us. Uh, I mean, if you can trade him and get proper value for him, you know, obviously great. But you know, right now he's he's of course hurt, and he does have a lot of years left on his contract, which is a benefit because you know whatever team you trade him to, they'd, they'd have a ton of control for him. But to me, the dream scenario is that we get to keep him, um, and then he plays well enough in 2024-2023 slash at right tackle, probably 2024, that the Lions have a uh, a real shot to do something then. But I'd, I'd keep Sula left for sure. I just do see a, a brighter future for Decker in Detroit, or a brighter path than, uh, than I think Paul does.
2: I think that it's one of those situations where it's almost – I don't know the right way to say it, but it's like, it's not a six one way, half a dozen the other. It's, it's, you kind of have your cake and eat it too, a little bit, where you can play him at right tackle, and everybody knows what he can do at left tackle. So there's not this, like, rush to have to make a, like, final decision right in this moment, right? I think Sewell playing, I think Sewell playing so well at left tackle. On Sunday and given it was one game, okay, but it was against Nick Bosa, right? Joey's in L.A. Okay, yes, it Nick was Bosa, Nick. Yep. So, like, and he played well. Like, I don't remember Bosa's name being called too often. Maybe a couple QB pressures.
1: Uh, Bosa actually switched over to the other side for a minute because he was so, so frustrated. And so, <laughs> and so, so, like, he, he played.
2: Smoke. He played so well that I think it kind of. Gives the Lions a bunch of options, which is, uh, it's always good to have options, right?
0: My problem is the cap. So, this year, and uh, again, I hate that they did it because we weren't competing this year. But, you know, Bob Quinn's a frickin' moron. Um, and he's he's the one that signed this contract. Uh, his cap hit this year is paltry. And that sucks. Because his cap hit next year is $19 million. His cap hit a couple years after that are almost $18 million a year. That is absurd money for an average at best right tackle. Like, absurd. Beyond absurd. That is not... We're building this into a, a contender kind of money to pay a right tackle that, quite frankly, is not that good. This is not a franchise-altering right tackle. If that's where you play, Taylor Decker to devote that kind of money to someone that plays half the game, it's not good. It's not smart use of assets. Now, I have to defend Brad Holmes a little bit here. His hands are a little bit tied because he didn't sign this contract. This is not now. You, you can yell about why Bob Quinn would be allowed, allowed to sell a con or <laughs> sign a contract <laughs> like this, and hamstring the next tenure but this is this is what we have this is the bed and we got to lay in it but that is absurd money for a right tackle that is never going to be even an above average run blocker which again is not it's not the end of the world but when you're paying this dude this kind of money you you cannot that money could be two defensive starters man like
1: you, you they could. I mean, you'll you'll probably right have a, a quarterback that's on a rookie contract, so that still helps. Um, but I mean, yeah, you could definitely allocate the money elsewhere, but in a more there are, efficient to manner. Me, there now, will be other ways.
0: A- know, AJ asked about the numbers. They can pay the. Um, out. we're we're talking strictly trade here because it's different if you cut him, and we wouldn't cut him. Like you're not cutting him. That would be no, horrible. Especially not. he has trade value, like a a ton of trade value. Yeah. I think. Um, he is. Y- you could you could use the term franchise left tackle to describe him when talking about a trade i don't like to do that but if you're talking about trading him you're packaging him would as a would you describe left tackle. him
2: that way if you were Brad
1: Holmes if you're Brad Holmes as you if i'm Brad Holmes okay. I yeah just, i just want to hear Paul say that okay <laughs> so as a lion fan grade. no i think he was top top 8 or something oh last really year good yes he
0: was really good um mostly pass but like,
1: whatever um, you guys are throwing the ball anyway, right? Go ahead. If we if we trade him
0: between now and next June, next year we're everything accelerates, right? We eat 14 million in dead cap for 2022. Okay. But it's not it's not that big of a deal. Okay. You're out of the deal, you get your assets in return, whatever you trade it for, and you're not competing.
2: Is there a dead cap then the so, following year too? Or is it no, just so a one-year cap hit? I don't really know When how you it trade
0: works. a player, it accelerates and it's due immediately. It's all okay. due now. The bill is due. Done.
2: Do you gain respect for Brad Holmes if he makes this deal, say, in the offseason?
0: If he trades him? I'll be ecstatic. I, I want to be very clear. I have liked most of what Brad Holmes has done since coming what? here. I don't have a to complain about. Aside from
2: drafting Sewell, about. which fell in his lap, what's the best move he's made? No. <laughs> and the obvious Stafford trade. Like, honestly?
0: Honestly? Yeah. Cutting Jelani Tavai?
2: Okay. I'm down with that. I'm down with that. The seventh, <laughs> the seventh rounder so that bad. we drafted in the second round? Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs>
1: I mean, he he didn't pay Kenny Galladay. Other than that, he, he did not really that's have any moves. another right? huge he, one too. He he um, traded Stafford and he drafted a bunch of people. So that
0: that uh, Ryan, team was you gonna bring be bad, up so. you bring up a great one. Not extending Galladay, huge. Like I, that's if he had extended and then he, Galladay, I would have
1: Paul's boy Jamal Williams.
0: It wouldn't have mattered. But if he had extended Galladay, I would have called for his firing that year, like that day. Sorry, like oh my god. Um, no, this that's that that and non-move is Okuda a big move. It's very important. Um, and he didn't draft Okuda, so I can't fault him for anything that happens there. Um, no, I don't. I don't have much to complain about yet, so far. Um, mishandling this situation is a potential big thing down the road. Uh, but if he if he does the right thing and trades him within the next year. Um, <laughs>
1: but, uh, do you guys do you guys want to hear a bad transition? Yes.
0: A bad so, transition?
1: Yeah, so you you just said, if you were Brad Holmes, X, Y, and Z, if you were Brad Holmes, would you be inspired by the fight that your team showed against the Niners and that they didn't quit? No. No, I, I think
2: Golden? that had more to do with the people that were injured in San Francisco and one lucky bounce off the face mask of George Kittle. To even put us in that position, like
0: I think it also had. I'm sorry to cut you off, AJ. I'm not. I'm not. I
2: I think there's some, and when I say some, I mean very minor, minuscule value to the whole moral victory thing. I don't put a lot of stock in it, is what I'm trying to say. But I, I think there's some momentum that can be built there. However. And I think I said this on Sunday, but it, it's one of those things where you, like, you take the good, right? Okay, you showed some fight. Fantastic. You still lost the game. But let's look at what was wrong. Why were we down by 31 points? Because
0: we You, you know what I'm
2: saying? Like, that? Right. that's... Okay. I. I San I look, Francisco is good. And I look more at that. Like, you're not in that position. No, but- you don't even have the ball at the end of the game because you gave up a first down on third, and I think it was seven... And by miracle of all miracles Debo Samuel fumbles the ball right
0: like it was the funniest it was a, it thing it ever was seen a good it was one. a good punch sure
1: it, he didn't just it, was, drop it no I know how,
0: but, how, how he had to go to the ground the game was over all he had to do was go down after getting the first it was
2: it was a series he's of fighting for yards. it was a series of circumstances that needed he's, to perfectly fall in place for them to even get as close as they did and in typical Lions fashion, the, had they scored on that drive, they would not have made the two point conversion. And you know it. Or they would have made it lost in overtime.
0: Or they would have like, made it and lost in overtime. So the thing is, so this I, I don't I don't care about anything that happened. After the 49ers were up by 100 points. I mean, they went... What was the score? 41. 40 to freaking
1: 10? 38, 38 to 10 and 41 to 7. Okay, 17.
0: my bad. was we were to never 10. down 49ers. 31 points. 38 and to 10. We lost 41 the game, to game. You're down four touchdowns in the second half. The game is over. It's done. I don't care what happens after that. The game is over. The, the Niners had yeah, some injuries. I'm not even worried records. about it. The Niners completely stopped playing the football game. They were literally... The Niners went from, we're kicking this team's ass, to... All right, it's time to get on the bus. And the Lions are playing not to get embarrassed, right? Like you're getting killed, you're still professionals. You you've made it here. You're you're just playing not to get embarrassed. Like they're they're playing hard because they want to make it look more acceptable. I mean, you're getting blown out at home. It's not a not a good not a good feeling, right? So you have one team that is just waiting to get on the bus, and another team playing for pride. I don't. It's meaningless. Completely meaningless. is nothing. The 49ers are a very good football team. We're a very bad football team. In the Lions' defense, we're supposed to be a very bad mm-hmm. football team this year. We're, we don't have talent. We don't have a quarterback. We have a first-year coaching staff with for people in their for new roles for the first time in their career all over the, from the coaching staff to the players to the front office even. This is all brand new across the board. We're... This is the rebuild of rebuilds. We are supposed to be bad this year. We are supposed to be in contention for the number one pick this year. It is okay. I'm okay that we're down 28 points to a good team in the second half. It doesn't hurt my feelings. I'm not mad at the team. I'm not complaining that these guys suck. We all know they suck. Oh, wow. And that's okay. Right? Like, it's it's okay to yeah, know that we're going to uh, be bad and be bad. team.
1: are a bad team. I like, uh, so, I did like... It, only because I thought the young players still played well and didn't give up. Like I could care less, really, what Jared Goff was doing, um, but to see and not that I'm a big fan of Cephas, but like Cephas caught a touchdown. I thought the offensive line still held up well, even when you know they were down four touch, you know four touchdowns. Um, I, I, thought, I thought Swift and you know Hawkinson still made some plays, so I like that those guys who are going to be here a long time um, were able to kind of play, not get down on themselves, right? I do think the Niners stopped because they had the injuries. They had most there. They had uh, Jason Barrett, the cornerback's name. Uh, he went down too. Maybe even an offensive lineman was hurt. I don't know if he came back, but uh, I I think, after, I think that kind of scared the Niners into uh, pussyfooting around a little bit. But uh, I appreciated how hard they fought to come back, only because there were still a lot of uh, young players in the game at that point. I mean, I, I, that's what I thought. A young player who's not coming back, though. Here's a, a more gruesome transition, Jeff Okuda. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he's done. Obviously, yeah, third third overall pick just um, last year. Ruptured, rough rookie year, ruptured his Achilles this year after really getting, like, raved about in camp about, you know, just his work ethic um, and everything that he was working on. And now this this entire year is taken away from him again. And I know Lions fans want him to work out. But this is going to be, I think this is the quickest I've ever seen the Lions turn Lions fans turn on a first-round pick. We've had some, like, Tease Tabor's who kind of right off the bat, it was Ebron. no. Ebron. Uh, Jelani Tavai. Even Ebron's rookie year, I felt like people gave him a little bit of bail. But, yeah, but yeah you're right. Uh, Ebron Ebron was another one like that. Um then I think Okuda is, and because Okuda is kind of the cast off, right? He's the last of the last bad regime. Like he's not part of this new, um, who's probably going to be coddled for a couple of years because people are just, you know, optimistic kind of in nature when it comes um, to the Lions, at least at first. So, you know, Okuda's probably looked at as like a, a bad apple and you're not one of the cool kids because you weren't brought in by, uh, by Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and everything we got going on now. Um, almost like Seku Nuboye a little bit, who you know was the last Pistons pick before Troy Weaver came, and uh, he's he struggled too, uh, and then ended up getting shipped off, and people weren't real sad about it. So I feel like that uh, I feel like that's going to happen to Okuda Okuda too, one way or another. I mean, obviously the if he comes back next year and has a really strong year, that's not going to happen. But at that point, that seems like a Disney movie more than it does uh, reality.
2: Yeah, I don't I don't really know what to take I don't really know how to think about the Okuda pick and, and and so far the lack of career that he's had, right? Um We all said when he was drafted, we don't hate the player. We hate the way that he was picked. Right? But
0: that's not his it's fault. It's not
2: his fault at all. And to be honest with you, like I don't have I don't really have an issue even with him struggling last year. What I would have had an issue with is adjustments not being made and him still being exposed this year. But now we're not going to get to see that. And so now we're traveling down this path where we have an unknown entity in how he's going to play in the NFL that is now also hindered by the fact that he's got this Achilles injury that is going to take a while to recover from and is going to impact his effectiveness on the field. So this, to me, is like a perfect storm of why we should have never used that third overall pick to draft him. Right? It's, it's this whole... Well, I, I don't... It's this whole culmination. I really
0: don't want to rehash No, that I know, but, it's upsetting. but But
2: but it all goes into it, right? It all plays into it. He was the number number 3 <laughs> overall pick and struggled last year. It was his rookie year, right? And there is an adjustment that needs to be made.
0: It was his rookie year, you jerk.
2: I know. That's what I'm saying. Like that's why I'm saying I don't really yeah. take stock in the yeah, fact AD that he struggled.
1: He didn't get and he didn't get any right. help from like the exactly. defensive line. so I don't pressure. I don't, anybody like behind him. That's why you, I yeah. don't
2: put a lot of stock in that's the fact that he struggled last year and calling him a bust like one year in his rookie year. Like to me, that's like that's ignorant in a lot of ways. But what's going to now impact that decision or moniker that we place on his career is this fact that he's got this Achilles injury that's now going to cause more problems I think and probably leave him more exposed and so it's it's just it's just a perfect like it's everything that we talked about that night on the draft that he was drafted like if you could cook up a perfect storm of just crap that could happen this is what happened and it's all Bob Quinn's fault it 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 really is like We will never know how good he could have potentially been, and I think a lot of it is due to, it's going to be due to the injury that he's dealing with. I don't think he'll ever be what he was in college in the pros now. Like, there will be that moniker of bust probably that gets put on him. Maybe a little bit unfair with the circumstances that he's dealt with, but it's kind of like it's where we're at with him now. Like, I don't expect him to. To ever turn into Darius Slay or any of the lockdown corners that we've seen around the league over the last few years because he's gonna lose this whole year, right? And who knows how he comes back from Achilles' injury. It 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 sucks. And it sucks for him. Like this is not a dig on him, it's just a series of unfortunate events that is now going to haunt him, in my opinion.
0: So, I, I will say, we, we've talked about the draft that draft a lot. And it was so dumb to pick Okuda there. Just the value wasn't there. You have two coveted quarterbacks with super quarterback needy teams on the board. And, and you're staying pat at three to pick Okuda. There's so many things you could have done. We talked about it on this podcast, in person, in lives, oh, so much. It was over it. I'm over Bob Quinn, over everything that he did. Okuda was considered a consensus top five talent, though. Yeah, and I I do think that that does get lost in some of this. Sure. It was the circumstances of the pick, our team, the teams around us, the players that were on the board, the things that you needed and could have done differently. Versus what you actually did. It is the context of the pick that makes it so bad. Not even the player himself. Because he was considered one of the best cornerback prospects to come out in a long time. He's really, really good. There were some red flags. He was very grabby at OSU. Ohio State cornerbacks. College cornerbacks in general. I I don't want to pick on just Ohio State. Not that I don't enjoy it. (laughs) College (laughs) cornerbacks in general do tend to get away. They do tend to get away. With a lot. But, Ohio State cornerbacks, in particular, in the Big Ten, you saw that it's part of the reason that they struggle so much when it comes to the playoffs. And you got to play the Clemsons and Alabamas of the world, and you don't have Big Ten refs in your pocket. That (laughs) clutchiness, that grabbiness, it, it doesn't hold up. Some cornerbacks... Have the athleticism to make up for it. Okuda, for a high on cornerback pras- prospect, was very pedestrian. He, not, he was no, athletically, he was no tease to boar, right? Like, I legitimately have ran a faster 40 time than tease to boar ran.
1: <laughs> it's not a
0: joke. Like, Ryan's laughing right now, but it's not a, I'm not even, it, that's real life. And I was no, I wasn't like an insane athlete. I was okay.
1: I don't even... Well, I guess I don't want what, to say... What did he, sure, did, he, did he what did he get, run in the 40? What did he run
0: in the 40? 4-7.
1: Okay, so <laughs> did so, so I got timed like, at
2: Toledo and was faster than him.
0: Yes, There's that's that's J. what I'm saying. Four J. six seven. baby. Oh, that's the same! We've L- 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 talked about this, so, have Because right? that was the exact same as mine.
2: I got to throw it in there. Matt tells me he ran 4-6. my one moment of glory that never
1: panned out. And I don't even think like and this might just be throwing shade on the man. I don't even think he got signed by like a practice squad anywhere else. Like I think the Lions cut him and then the whole league was just done. Yeah,
0: Tabor was done. I I don't want to make this a hit on Tabor thing. I was just using him as a reference like that's that's abhorrent cornerback speed. So like Okuda's not in that category. But he's a 4 5 40 guy. His 3 cone not elite, right? Like he is He's fine athletically, like he's not this massive liability, uh, but he was not an elite athlete. He,
1: he did get practice squad uh, mentions after us, with the Niners and with the Bears.
0: Just didn't stick around? I th- I th-
1: I, yeah, I think he's on the Bears practice squad now. Actually. Okay,
0: alright. Practice squad though, not a real roster, not an NFL Correct. player. I,
1: okay. I don't believe so. It does say he's a safety for the Chicago Bears, so they moved his position.
0: The reason- let, let, let me look that up. Alright, you look that up.
1: I'm I'm curious.
0: The reason Okuda's pedestrian, cornerback, athletic metrics matter here are you can't clutch and grab in the NFL the way you can in college, Mm -mm. especially the way you can at OSU in Big Ten games. You have to rely a lot more on your technique. You do not have the makeup speed. He doesn't have – so Darius Slice struggled when he came out as a rookie, second-round pick out of Mississippi State. But Darius Slay ran a 4-3 with elite marks across the board athletically. Elite, elite marks in every metric you can imagine. He had the makeup speed. As soon as Slay could trust his technique, he was going to be a player. And he started to come on his second season really well. And by his third season, he was a top 10 corner in the NFL. Like, just really, really good. Which
2: is what I was hoping oh, Okuda's trajectory Okuda would, would do.
0: Yeah. You. But Okuda is much more reliant on his technique. Now, I don't want to say... Again, I'm not saying he's a bad athlete. And he had some very good metrics. I, I believe his broad jump was very good. Um, he catches the ball well. Or at least he did in college and in camp settings. He had a lot of positives. He was considered a top five talent for a reason. But... He was not without any red flags. And we've talked before about how difficult the transition is cornerback in the NFL. It's very risky to pick a corner high unless you're sure they're going to be the next big thing because that's a tough transition. And if there's any red flags, those so, will get put to the test So the I,
2: I, I looked up his, his combine time, Okuda's. So he ran 4-5, right? Yeah, four four eight, Uh 8 11, 11 right. presses on the bench, 41 vertical jump, and 100 – which is the verticals great? One hundred thirty-five. That's a very 135 good vertical. Broad jump.
0: Broad jumps very good. Verticals his, very good. Like he can jump out. His ability. overall this prospect
2: grade was a seven point two.
0: as far as his like spark athleticism, well, uh, Ras was that his Ras score? What it, is that? It
2: just says prospect grade. It's on NFL.com. It just says prospect grade. Oh, so that's that's their arbitrary. It's probably from like that. Sign. Yeah, that writer or something. So okay. Strengths, weaknesses. So it sounds like.
1: I don't know, I'm not looking at
2: it. Oh, here you go. Uh eight is the perfect prospect. Seven three to seven five. Oh, okay. A, so seven point two out of eight. Yeah, so uh seven point three to seven point five is perennial perennial all pro, and then seven point zero to seven point one is Pro Bowl ta- pro Bowl talent.
0: And that's where he was, right? Seven did, one?
2: Didn't you didn't you say he was, well, he was seven, so 7 1, that five? So I just rounded up to seven two. Oh, I was the so way I would case. somewhere no, no, no. that would say somewhere between I would say Pro Bowl talent
0: that could become a perennial All Pro. The reason I think all these things matter a lot is we've seen him struggle a ton with his technique early in his career, which is not unexpected for a young corner. We've seen him struggle to keep up athletically. We've seen him lose confidence. He has had huge confidence issues, which for mm-hmm. a cornerback are way well, understated, yes. way understated. cornerback at any level needs to be extremely confident, especially in the NFL, in college level. I mean, it's very, very important. Now he has an Achilles injury. And I, this is about as pessimistic as you can be. I genuinely think it may be the end of his career, at least his relevant career. So you're taking a guy that has had all of these issues through a little over a year into his career and now his for an elite corner pedestrian athletic marks are now going to take a hit. He's not going to be the same athlete returning from rupturing his Achilles. Working his way back from injury trying to find his role on a roster that he was already trying to do. What is that going to do for his confidence? How How is he gonna trust himself to rely on technique with all of his other shortcomings this this road back for him to be an nfl starter it's a mountain i am very pessimistic that he can make that climb and i don't i don't put the blame on him no i I, it's not shocking that he struggled as a rookie he is put in a poor position Uh, i think ryan posted it early Earlier, Steve Smith was talking about him, I assume, on NFL Network, Ryan. Where, where was that?
1: Uh, it was probably – I saw it on Twitter. It was probably on NFL Network, though.
0: Okay. Uh, Steve Smith was talking about Okuda. And uh, – The uh, y- wide receiver. You can talk about
1: – Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Former, former, Panthers, yeah. Great. former Panthers great. And Former Panthers great. And – yeah, he's was he's no, he sweet with Baltimore. He was sweet with Baltimore, but, but he's, he, he made
0: his he made his name with the Panthers. I, I mean, yeah, generally. I concerned. understand that. He was, that. Still, he I was still good. He
2: was making sure that we gave the Ravens their credit because I know
1: how
0: much Ryan I, loves them. I I don't like to give the Ravens yeah, right. their credit actually, but we'll we'll carry on. But Steve Smith was talking so they about they didn't Jeff have back then
1: though, so fuck them.
0: <laughs> he was talking about Akuna today, and he's he was talking about uh his struggles a bit. Um, and kind of like we've said many times uh, When a player gets drafted high by a team And the expectations that come with it It's not the player's fault If they get overdrafted by a team And that's important to contextualize But he said he finds it interesting That the young man, Okuda He's been in over his skis He cannot cover anybody man to man right now And then he went on to say That question, why in the world would the Lions do that? Why are the Lions knowing the struggles he's having, knowing that he cannot hang with NFL receivers and man coverage, why are they consistently putting him in positions to fail instead of putting him in positions to succeed as a young corner going through the struggles he's going through? He said they need to protect him the same way they would protect a young quarterback.
2: That's interesting.
0: That's absolutely true to me. Um, Now, he's an NFL player and he's expected to be a starter for us. And at the end of the day, you got to be able to do your job. But when you have a anybody really, but especially a touted prospect like them that came in and struggled the way he did, you need to do things. that are going to build them up the most in putting him one-on-one with a better athlete to get torched over and over is probably not helping him develop. Now, Again, this is the NFL. He's got to play cornerback. You can't just be like, okay, we'll put the kid gloves on. Sure. And we'll just make sure everything's really easy for you and you have a bracket safety at all times and you're only in zone, soft zones, and just, just make tackles and don't get beat deep. Like, you can't do that all the time. I get it. But I did find it interesting what Steve Smith said. And then now he's out for the season, debilitating, career-altering injury. I don't know how he comes back from this to be a starter in the NFL.
2: I just. Well, to be a starter or to be a, an elite shutdown corner.
1: No, I mean, even like, even start- just a starter. Even so, a like, starter. that was kind of my thing. Like, he's probably not going to be Darius Slay. But if he can be, like, Dre Bly or something. Like, at the, at this point, I think most Lions fans would accept that. That would be a huge and, uh, win. And just kind of take him, you know, take him as he is uh, without holding the uh, – the draft capital against him, if he's able to come back, because everyone loves a comeback story, and he can play just all right. Um, you know, I think I think most people will accept him. They'll probably still be mad when they think about the draft, but I, I think they'd just be happy for him in general. But Okuda had a uh, he had a rough week. You know, easy. Uh, you know, probably an understatement. You no, know who didn't have a rough week though is Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. So not exactly the Lions, but Lions adjacent. <laughs> Went out and showed out My on all it. types of uh, showed out on all types of Sunday yes, night football in front of the world. Got a little warm weather underneath them, throwing the wide open receivers all day. PFF, not really impressed. Uh, ninth highest, ninth highest graded quarterback of the of the week. Ha- haven't we but, talked on you know, here everybody before got how to see
2: him? PFF is kind of like it's terrible?
1: Well, so. It- Listen, no, no, not, he, I don't know. Matt ever got a new wife. He's looking did, like a new yeah, man. Heard that.
0: <laughs> that was so funny. It was so funny. We're sitting here, and it's right. Everyone, everyone, same thing. Like, I'm I'm sitting here. I'm in the kitchen. I got the big TV on. I'm eating some, making some food. The game's on. And they're talking about Kelly Stafford. And they got this random ass fan that they're showing. And I'm like, that is so not So it's, it's
1: actually their, their friend. So, like, if, they were in the same spot, yeah, as, as in, in
0: the, um, in uh, the,
1: in the, what cause, are they called? Because the, the lady was, I don't know, probably a suite or something. Sweet, friends yeah, of that's what sort of I was awesome looking for. Where they were. In the suite, yeah. But, but the lady was, so, like, Kelly Stafford did a podcast. Don't go listen to it, listen to ours instead. But she did a podcast the next morning, um, and the lady and her husband, they had been friends with the Staffords. So they were in the right spot. They just got the, the wrong blonde woman. But it, she it, had the, the fake wife come on uh, come on the podcast, and they were talking. So it,
0: funny. it was hilarious. And I'm looking at it, and I'm like – and my wife walks in the room, and I'm like and, – and she was looking at the TV. I was like, that is not Kelly Stafford. <laughs> I was like, I can assure that is not Kelly Stafford. And then Ryan texts a chat – JB texts in uh, Slack – like everybody it's the same thing. It's like, because yeah. Kelly Stafford's well, pretty Detroit
2: here Twitter in Detroit, went right? crazy. Right. Like yeah, I hopped on Twitter like and watched like, That's
1: absolutely like,
0: not Kelly her. Kelly Stafford was a very visible figure yeah. in Detroit. More more than the average quarterback's wife. For sure. for sure. Like she she was a big part of the Detroit lexicon mm-hmm. and even in the last few years especially, the local media really covered her a lot. And and obviously we're familiar with Detroit Sports Nation. Kelly's Don's favorite person in the world. <laughs> like, honestly, he should send he should send Kelly gifts every year for all the money that she think has made Matthew Don would like that uh, too with more. her visibility. Oh, uh, I he wouldn't mind. I think he's I think he's secure. He's gonna be alright. Uh but it was just really funny, and then they came back from commercial break and NBC it was it was on NBC, right?
1: I think it was yeah, on NBC. Sunday night football.
0: And they immediately addressed it. They're, they're like, no, that was not Kelly's dad. <laughs> This, this blonde lady, this is the real Kelly Stafford. It was just funny. It was a light moment. But uh, what was not a light moment is any Chicago fan watching that game. And we happen to be friends with one, Uh, unfortunately. Uh, Unfortunate that he's a Chicago fan. Mostly fortunate that we're friends with him. Mostly. But, uh, yeah, they had a really great debut. Sean McVay and Matthew Mm. Stafford did in L.A., and as a lifetime rams fan i could not oh, be God. more <laughs> ecstatic i mean i i have been waiting for so long from,
1: from their first in los angeles oh i've been good. for so
0: long give me those Eric diggers and goggles i wear have them every time i play bag. basketball right listen? I as a young impressionable kid, Madden. My first Madden was 0-3, Marshall Falk on the cover. I mean, that I fell in love immediately. Lifetime Rams fan. Never known another team. What city sport, were ever.
2: they in at that point?
0: Uh, they were okay, in St. Louis. Right, the time, I just wanted to, wanted to test your fan. At that time, they were in St. Louis. That was the in between the I LA stints. I wanted to test your fan. Uh, oh no! I you you can. I'll tell you more about LA than you'll tell, me, or current LA Rams than you'll tell me about the Lions. It was a lifetime. Okay. Nah, I mean we're playing around, but I really am a huge Rams fan this year. Like that's not even, I it is, especially in the interest of our draft position. But probably regardless, I would have been. The Lions will see the Rams later this season, and I will not at all be rooting for the Lions in any capacity. I don't know if there's going to be a uh, single
2: person in Detroit rooting for the. Well, no, that's not true. Here's the thing that that I loved most about that game, and I'm going to be real honest with you. I did not watch a single down of that game. I wanted to, but.
0: What? Then why did you love
2: that you didn't watch the game?
0: Don't say that. Lie to the people. I'm
2: being honest with you, but here's what.
0: No, don't be honest. I don't like it.
2: (sighs) It wasn't because I I didn't choose to. What did you like about the game? My wife wanted to watch something else, so we watched something else, and that's the way that it works.
0: But Matt, I I want you to edit a whip sound in right uh, there. Pull it right out of Indiana Jones. Just
2: Okay, ignoring ignoring ignoring, continue, ignoring that comment and hopefully saving the rest of the listeners from listening to Paul for a second. Here's what I liked is looking at the stat stat line and conversing with you guys during the game even though I was not watching it. Anybody who was negative and or down and or hating on Stafford. Just had a giant foot in their mouth all night long. Because it's not like he was going and playing against a Swiss cheese defense. I mean, it's the Chicago Bears that, yeah, he's familiar with, but you're talking about the dude put up elite numbers in a brand new system on his primetime game debut game and he showed out exactly what we all knew about him but yet the people of Detroit got a little too familiar with and forgot about and that's what I appreciated the most I hope he I it to me that's a we know this we've all talked about it but to me this is the same thing as Verlander going to the Astros right I was a fan of the Astros for the rest of that season until they won the ring Didn't root for him after that. But in the same way, (laughs) I'm rooting for Stafford. You know what I mean? So that's what I loved most about this is he played great. He played like we all knew he did here but was not appreciated for. And I think he's going to continue to do it and keep showing out, win MVP, win a Super Bowl. You know, I like it. That's what I appreciate. The dude had
0: 12, 12 yards in attempt. Yeah, that's crazy. Twelve yards every time he threw the ball. Not every catch. Every time he threw yeah, the ball, ball in air, if right? The ball left his yeah. hands. Twelve yards. Yeah. That's that's really good, guys. Like that's that's as good as it gets. Does not get better than that. Uh I mean, almost a perfect passer rating. A uh, QBR of 90, which both yeah, the, garbage the, the statistics. Highest
1: pa- the highest passer rating of his career.
0: Bo- both garbage statistics. I, I don't really care about them. My favorite thing watching that game, other than Stafford torching the Bears secondary, even when they did decide to cover receivers, which sometimes they just which, didn't. Which,
1: which wasn't often. Sometimes
0: they just <laughs> didn't. I
1: mean, you got... they just kind of chilling.
0: So you got Cooper Cup, right?
1: Cooper Cup <laughs> is
0: a household name, Okay. It's one of the main guys that were like, alright, we gotta hem this guy in. Like he's gonna do damage to us if we don't. He was open by eleven yards. That's not a joke. He had eleven yards of separation.
1: The, the official was the closest.
0: The closest you know, defender human was wearing pinstripes. You you can't do that. That was a layup. Goff would have probably missed. But that was a layup, and Stafford didn't miss, and that was 60-yard touchdown, whatever it was. The Van Jefferson one, there were at least defenders in the vicinity, and Van Jefferson is not one of the priorities in coverage. Uh, He's he's down the list. I mean, you got to cover Woods. You got to cover Cup, You got to cover Higby. Probably got to cover the back end of the backfield. Van Jefferson's down the list a little bit, and they had some guys in the vicinity. Stafford put up a beautiful ball. Van Jefferson fell. I guess he's never caught a pass that hot before. (laughs) Goff must just be really throwing (laughs) softballs. It was crazy. It honestly looked like the pass Bears forgot to touch him. It looked like like the pass like was hotter than he thought it was, and like took him to the ground. Like the pass tackled him. But he caught the ball, rolled on the ground, and the Bears were just watching him. Roll and, on the and ground. And the
1: Bears, the Bears, like me, thought it was college because we had only been watching <laughs> college football up until then for the last two or three weeks. So when he was down, I was like, hey, "Good play, get up!" And then I see him get up and start to run. Watching him like, oh, roll shit. on the ground. <laughs> and like, then he eh. just
0: Meanders the other, I don't know, twelve yards of the end zone, five yards. Was, he was pretty close at that point. Regardless, it was it was not not going well for the Bears. Outside of that, the Bears did mostly try to cover the Rams' receivers. It just didn't matter. Uh, the scheme was too good. The receivers were too good. Stafford himself, just dot after dot, was too good. What well, was so and exciting Dar- to me? Daryl
1: Henderson was good too. It was a whole.
0: Daryl Henderson is good. The,
1: the the Rams of good. offense or the as offense.
0: The only problem with the Rams, uh, maybe problem a little, little against elite teams, and especially when they face like the Bucks of the world. Their offensive line is maybe going to be some issues. The offensive line was really good Sunday night.
1: So they need Taylor Decker. Which but, does that concern
2: you with Stafford's injury history?
0: Well, anytime a quarterback's getting hit concerns me, but it more concerns me that they won't have as much time to do what they need to do. But
1: oh, he he got blasted on was it the cup touchdown? Because it was a what one was it? Well, there was a penalty. It was a touchdown, but it was a I penalty, think it, and it was I a late think hit. it Akeem, I think it was Akeem Hicks came and just, like... I think it was a Cup shot, and he threw. was way I th- late. I think so,
0: too. Like, way late. This is just ridiculous. But it was de- it was definitely the Cup one, because I remember they threw the flag, and, yeah. and the, guy was was so open, the guy and like was so open. The guy was so open, I'm like, yeah. all right, did he, like, throw yeah. his defender on the ground? Is this yeah, what happened? Like, something, like this something is, this is going to get right. called back. And then it wasn't. It was... A late hit for a very bad late hit. But obviously we didn't see that out of frame. We're not in all 22 and we're watching live. What made me the happiest though wasn't all that. It was watching Sean McVay the entire game. I have not seen him so boyishly happy. Like giddy. The You can just see how happy he is to be able to run the offense this way. Because he has somebody in his mold, somebody that can make every throw, that understands what he wants to do, where he wants the football going, and that his, McVay is obviously a brilliant offensive mind, top three in in the NFL, for sure. He now has a quarterback that is capable of executing his vision. And it made me smile because I think they're really set to do special things. You guys know, as much as I've criticized the players around Stafford in Detroit, as bad as the offensive line was for so much of his career, by far my biggest beef was none of that. It was the play calling in Detroit. The play calling held us back more than anything else. He finally has a play caller. McVay finally has a quarterback. And because of how well they can work together, I am hopeful. Again, I cannot promise, but I am hopeful that they can overcome the offensive line shortcomings. And I still have questions about the defense because I don't think Chicago is a very good football team.
1: Man, I don't either. But Ramsey was Ramsey was all over the place. Oh, Ramsey is amazing, and that's I I honest. know. But so like. I thought there was even a little bit of talks about, like, a Ramsey decline. He's still, he'd still be good. But, like, oh, he's not as propped up as he was. And just from the start, like, he, he made a statement to me as much as Stafford did when that game started. Because Ramsey was a flying all over the I, I actually
0: think, think the broadcast shit. did a pretty good job talking about it a little bit. As much as they can on a national football broadcast. Because you're not getting they in-depth did. analysis. So, I mean,
1: but the national broadcast was always gonna prop up Ramsey just because he's a household name. That's because uh, they didn't have Peyton like either. Even if you look like uh that's right, and we're gonna get to that next. Uh but I just feel like, you know, it, like fans or analysts that aren't, you know, uh who was it, Collinsworth and uh and Al Michaels. I don't know. And not that people were shitting on Ramsey, but it was like, oh, like this guy's supposed to be top three, I don't know all the, I don't know about all that. Um, and then, you know, just to come out and play the way he played, like the defense seemed uh, a little bit reinvigorated too, or maybe at least just him. Um, but they were they were hyping up. They were jumping up and down when the offense was, you know, when Cooper Cup was running 60 yards behind the defense uh, and everything else was happening. Um, so I think overall, and maybe it's just the atmosphere of a, of a new stadium, something like that, obviously you have Stafford coming in making big plays right off the rip. Uh, so maybe that fed into it a little bit, but I thought Ram, at least Ramsey in particular, um, is hard to say he took a step up because he was always so good. But at least that game, he he seemed like his you know his old self. Well, a bit like a big old, difference. The, the best you know defensive back in the in the league. So.
0: a big difference this season is his role in the defense, and I that's what I thought the broadcast actually did a good job of touching on because you're never getting. The in-depth analysis on national broadcast. I mean, the audience doesn't have the patience for it, let alone the understanding. And it's not to knock anybody, but your fan just sitting trying to enjoy a football game does not need to know the ins and outs of scheme. It's not—that's not what our analysts are here for on TV. He is—they're calling it the star position, which every team calls their fancy little—I don't want to say gimmicks, gadgets on defense, different things. Michigan had the Viper for years. Everybody does their own
1: thing, right? That's why you don't want to say it's a gimmick, because Michigan did it.
0: Well, it, no, because it's not a gimmick. What Ramsey's doing is not a gimmick. But it's, it's a gadget. I, I found the right word for it. Relax. They want a Ramsey, their best non-Aaron Donald player on defense, to be more involved in the play, the actual play on the field. And if you just stick him on a receiver to shut him down all game, He's out of a lot of plays. He can't make that impact other than locking down that receiver. And it's he's also not always going to lock down that receiver. We talked about, I think, before the season, Jalen Ramsey's struggle with shiftier players. Jalen Ramsey's struggle in the slot and in different places. They are taking Ramsey's immense talent, is one of the best defensive backs in the NFL, and they're putting him in position to always impact a play. And that's what good coaches do. Good coaches... Find ways to get their best players involved. Period. And, and I love, I love like this Jim new role for did. him so much. It you need to stop.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: and that's why we heard Ramsey's name called so much is because of a great defensive plan to utilize his talents and not just say, "Listen, go cover Allen Robinson."
2: No, don't cover Allen Robinson. But, I need those points.
0: No, it's AJ's okay. fantasy team. It's very important here. So don't cover the that. It's the
2: whole matter. way I make no, picks, though. But,
0: but it was nice to see. And, and I think I think it's a really great idea. It, it's the same thing the Chargers do with Derwin James for the three games the season that he plays. It's the same mm, it's thing.
1: Three times more than Ray Moster. Oh, another <laughs> Listen, one.
2: Come on, guys. Is stop, this like Bash stop. on Riley's uh, fantasy team? Oh, teams my here?
0: goodness. I got mostert in another league that I'm in
2: with Ryan. It's just he made it one play, one play, and it wasn't even a (laughs) play that he was involved (laughs) in.
1: (laughs) He had
0: two rushes for 20 yards. Oh yeah, you're right. You're
2: right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. I forgot about that.
1: Um, still gave you more points than Ayuk did. (laughs) Oh,
0: can we stop?
2: He gave me more points than Aaron (laughs) Rodgers did. My players. He gave me more points in a harder league to score than Aaron Rodgers did
0: unbelievable yeah Aaron Rodgers talk about sabotage
2: I'm telling you oh my I'm God. telling you if he plays the same I've been way I'm this
0: strong for a long time
2: if he's playing the same I way on it. Monday night against the lines that he did on Sunday he needs to be benched because he's gonna lose this, them every game on purpose the until year, they trade him
0: this is the year the world comes round Stafford is a better quarterback than Rodgers this is the year this is the he's year. also younger though I look Coward alluded at it a few I, years ago. I remember ago. that. And then things went south <laughs> and very and, fast. And, then,
1: and then I think he backtracked the very next year. He was like, all right. But
0: Sorry, this right, boys, is the year. Is he was early for the national perception. This is the year everyone comes around. Stafford's a better quarterback than Rodgers. I've been beating this drum a long goddamn time.
1: Uh, Only you, person. You've been, you've, been, you've been wrong a long time. Sitting
0: on an island. This is the year everybody else comes around. No,
2: I thought that Coward actually made a pretty good argument about Stafford being a winning, like, an actual winning quarterback, and I forget exactly what he said, but it was like Aaron Rodgers was more a product of it Green Bay.
0: It was system beautiful till anything. he walked it back five minutes later. Yeah, and then it was it was yeah, less after so. Aaron Rodgers
1: showed him how sweet he was. Uh, no, it, he's not he was, a product of their environment, and is good at everything. Is Peyton Manning literally? And they had the Monday Night Football. Uh, Simulcast, Manningcast is what they ended up calling it on ESPN2, and I watched the whole thing, didn't flip to ABC or regular ESPN once, and I know me and AJ were both huge fans of it, and Paul was not, which is why I wanted to bring it up, because I thought it was a fantastic production from the guests that they had on, uh, from... Obviously, their their chemistry just with each other, be being brothers, um, which I think is actually one of the one of the strongest points um, of it. But I do want to start with, so we'll do it like sandwich style. So AJ, what did you like about sandwich the Manning style. game, and then we'll talk about what Paul hated about it, and then we'll close with why it's the greatest thing to ever. Have sure. To so broadcast.
2: I I have always loved Peyton Manning. So like anything that he does, I'll I'll watch basically. Right. Um,
0: I feel like that's a lot of people. No, you're not alone Okay, here. But
2: that's <laughs> still true for me. So it doesn't matter, right? So, like when he did that Peyton place on ESPN Plus, I was like watching those as often as I could. And for me, like I live for stories, and I love listening to people tell stories. I don't need a play-by-play guy telling me what's happening in front of my eyes. But I can watch what's happening in front of my eyes and listen to these guys talk about, what was it, Peyton said, I had a better completion percent or higher QB rating. Or no, he said I have better timing with Ed Reed than I did with Reggie Wayne. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, so, like, just listen to them tell those stories. Like, I love, there was a Peyton's place, I think that's what they called it, but when he interviewed yeah, Ray Lewis. Yeah. And they just, like, just listening to those guys talk to the guys who are at the top of their craft. I won't say that they were the best at their craft, right? Ray Lewis probably more than Peyton Manning because you got Tom Brady and Joe Montana, but just listening to still two guys, who, yeah, still very close. Two guys at the top of their game, just talking and talking about a game that we all love and we all appreciate and um, like. And then them like talking, and those are games that like when I was really into the NFL, that those were games that I would actually watch and watch those two compete against each other and play against each other, and and just talking about the ins and outs. Paul, you alluded to this just in your last comments, you said that, like, a national TV broadcast is not going to get into, like, in-depth analysis and and talk about those things, and that's partly probably the reason why I have veered away or just get bored with it because it's so, like, canned as far as national broadcasts go, but, like, to watch football in a different way and listen to these guys that I have watched their career and seeing how great they were, and then, like, hear their stories, it was just, like, it was the perfect way to watch football for me. And I would watch football, I would watch every game broadcast that way. 100% of the time.
1: All right, Paul, why did you hate it more than anything you've ever hated in your life?
0: <laughs> I didn't hate it as much as I hated watching Baltimore Ravens quarterback. Uh, or, honestly, like, a lot of the game that was the dumbest football game I've ever seen in my life. Um, like the last half of the fourth quarter on was just nonsense and more nonsense. Like both teams saying, no, you win. And the other team going, I, I don't want to. Uh, but the cast itself, uh, I love Peyton Manning. Uh, Eli, I like as a person. Uh, quarterback credentials aside, in non-existent Hall of Fame case. Um, he will make it, though. I think he will, and it's going to... He's one like the Harold Baines of the NFL. Me. It's horrible. <laughs> uh, I think they, along with their guests, Ray Lewis, I mean, Ray Lewis is obviously no stranger to the broadcast game, uh, but a lot of the guests that they had on with them, I, I think... They could be a very enjoyable listen on a professionally polished broadcast. And that was the opposite of a professionally polished broadcast. It was hard for me to watch. It was so low, like low res is what I
1: would call it. What
2: do you mean by that? Because you kept saying that, but I didn't quite, like, I wasn't following. When you say the production. Like, and you're
1: on this podcast. Right. (laughs) <laughs> Rate it in a little bit. What? What do you mean what? You're talking about how unpolished it is. Are you aware of what we're doing right now?
0: Yeah, but I'm not on national TV for millions. I'm I'm on Spotify for five people. It's different. It's not the same.
1: Yeah, it's about it's two, really not. It's about two thousand people total. Shout out to all The guys.
0: NFL product is largely based on presentation. It is a very polished product. Everything they do is calculated. You do lose some character. I think we need to find a middle ground because the content, the conversation that the Mannings had and with their guests, it was very nice. It was enlightening. It was fun. The problem is it was like a backyard production. It was like an overlay I would do in media class when I was a sophomore in high school. And we would put on a little sports show played at lunch that's what that was like Or, or like a bad twitch broadcast like i was illegally streaming the game on twitch and now most of our listeners probably don't even know what twitch is but i might as well stream the game on switch and throw up mine and ryan's faces on there and just talk whatever for the whole time the product itself was unwatchable the quality the lack of polish what do you mean
2: well, by poly- that's what I don't understand? Like
1: boulder dash is what that is. Yeah,
0: that
2: that seems oh so goodness. like
0: a clean presentation that does not detract from the game but actually adds to it. I, it didn't that detracted from the game. It was a side. It didn't show. detract. It from was the legitimate game at all
2: for me. At all, it
0: absolutely detracted from the game. Right. It it was a side. I show. would. And it doesn't have to be. That's the problem because they can, they can set it up. More is a traditional broadcast, and I don't need to see their faces while well, I'm trying to watch football. By the way, like I, who thought that was again. This is in, in part of this is maybe it's catering to a, a Twitch audience, right? Like all these young people, and I'm one of them, right? Like I, I grew up with Twitch. All these young people, they're used to seeing a caster's face or someone that's playing a video game, their face while they watch the rest of the content. Or the, I don't need the that. YouTube sports I want card in face. I want to watch football. I I don't need to look at your face. I don't need to hear Eli's fire alarm going off. Like, I I don't need that. There's no, it it does not add, it's only detracting. It's a sideshow. And the problem is, so the game is very enjoyable, and they're also enjoyable, but they're, they're at odds with each other. The way the broadcast is set up, or the way it was set up, it doesn't have to be like that. You can make it a more polished broadcast, but not rein everything in. I like the -the off-the-cuff stuff. I like the dialogue. I like the pace. I I like the different things that they add. I like the analysis they bring because they play quarterback at the highest level. Peyton Manning, one of the best to ever do it. And Eli, also a quarterback at a reasonably high level. I, I like all of that. But it has to be presented in a way that it adds to what I'm viewing
1: I, I could not disagree anymore. I loved the way they pre, they presented it. Um, I did like seeing their faces because you could see Peyton and Eli react to what was happening on the field. Right. So, like, when the Raiders had that um, that overtime interception after it looked like they were going to win the first time, you saw Peyton Manning, like, put his hands on his face. Uh, like, what are you doing? Right. And it was a real reaction than, obviously, you're ever going to get from... Uh, Like kind of anybody in in a booth. And to me, it did add to the game. It didn't take away from the game at all because I was still watching all of what was happening on the field. Um, uh, To me, the only difference was I was getting way superior content uh, from obviously Peyton and Eli. And the guests that they brought on, I love the way that they did it. Mm-hmm. I love that they had the extended conversations with right. everybody. You had Charles Barkley on at first to give you like a just like a fun kind of you know bullshit around what, whatever they were talking about. And obviously, you know Barkley's is a huge name in his own right, um, so that was a, a little bit of comic relief. Um, but then you brought on Ray Lewis. So you're able to get the perspective of what was happening from the game, and they're able to share stories because it was such an extended conversation, right? It wasn't just one drive or two drives, and they kicked him off. They had these guys on for basically entire quarters, um, with the exception of Barkley. I think his his stint was a little bit shorter than everybody else's, but you had Peyton, you had Ray Lewis, two of the best ever do it at their position, talking about okay, what is the offense thinking, and then what is the defense thinking? So you got both perspectives from guys who would know better than really anybody else. Then they brought on Travis Kelsey, uh, you know, a current player, to obviously ask him, like, what what is he doing? Because he's on one of the most dynamic offenses ever, so they were able to ask him some questions. Um, not from a quarterback standpoint, but from like, okay, what are you seeing as a receiver? What are you seeing when it's a defensive back or a linebacker lined up on you? Kind of how are you playing this? How how much of your route is like predetermined and how much is it like backyard football where you're just kind of going around, um, you know, you know, bullshit whatever you're doing. Um, so I thought that was really funny to hear. And Kelsey slipped up. He ended up uh, swearing on national TV, which, which is kind of funny. And I think he even caught himself – a couple of other times. Um, but then at the end for the fourth quarter and overtime, you got Russell Wilson to come on. Uh, so you had three quarterback perspectives and two really, really good quarterbacks. And then another quarterback who, you know, is, is still a two-time Super Bowl champion. Um, so them just talking about, okay, what's going on here? Kind of what are we seeing as a quarterback? Uh, asking them what they would do. I think there was like a questionable fourth down play on should you go for it, should you punt it, kick the field goal or whatever, um, and getting his perspective on it. What would you guys do here? And because it's Peyton and Eli, I think the players that they get on are more comfortable talking to them about the actual football stuff. Uh, And because it's Peyton and Eli, I think you saw this with Russ, who he was only supposed to be on for a certain amount of time, right? Um, The game's going – end of the fourth quarter, like, at the very end of the fourth quarter, it's a close game, and Eli asked him, like, you know, can you stay on, because they were going to commercial, you know, can you stay on until the end of the game? And you're not going to say no to Peyton and Eli. Uh, Russ is like, yeah, of course, and they ask him the same thing when it goes overtime. Like, are you going to stick with us? And he's like, of course I am. Like, because this is, you know, they just have so much fun talking to each other, and you can tell, and the content is obviously uh, higher level than what, than what Collinsworth or Al Michaels or you know Booger McFarland on the other end of, of a Monday night broadcast oh. is is going to give you, and I think that Eli in particular, obviously Peyton gets most of the credit, is um, because he's he, he better at everything, right? He's smarter. He's more more charismatic than Eli is, but I do think that Eli is the perfect partner for that, um, and I wouldn't switch Eli with anybody else because Eli is the one person really in the world. That can make fun of Peyton, right. and he's not going to be, like, starstruck <laughs> by, by Peyton or even Peyton. Put on that doggone you know, ra- maybe,
2: Raven's helmet.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like, even at, like, if Peyton, you know, dominates the conversation, um, I think that's probably expected. But Eli's going to call him out on some of his right. stuff. Uh, and I think that's the perfect pairing for what they have going on on the Monday night broadcast, and that is how I'm going to watch football the the rest of the year. Monday night, right? Because they don't do that for every game. That's how I'm going to watch every Monday night game. Are they doing uh, it every Monday night? I, I hope it so. it wasn't just an doing an it next Monday. Okay, good. Oh, that's how I watch doing the it for Lions. The Lions. That's how, how it. So,
2: so here I think I you brought up an interesting point, right? Like these guys that get these analyst jobs on the big stations, right? Aside from Tony Romo, maybe Chris Spielman, even though I'm not a huge fan of him. Like, they're all guys that, like, to me, don't have the rep. They they got hired because they were a former player. But they're not Peyton Manning, right? They're not Ray Lewis. And so to hear from these guys that were at the top of the game not Booger McFarlane not Chris Collinsworth right but to hear from those guys in that moment and to like you said watch how they reacted or I remember earlier early in the half like Derek Carr was overthrowing everybody like struggling and and you could just see Peyton every time he made a throw into coverage you could just see him like twitch a little bit and it it was those like watching those reactions that it's like and seeing how the mind of an NFL player works like that and the way they explain things was, like Ryan said, anytime they have that broadcast,
1: I'm watching it. And and they did have like some, you know, production gaffs to Paul sure point, But those 100%. are pretty you can fix. Like Peyton with the, uh, he had the remote control where he was trying to rewind and it was a little bit funky. Um, obviously, they had the fire alarm. That's, of course, not going to happen all the time. And they cut away from a third down play when Peyton was in that giant Ravens helmet. So there are things to polish up on that end, but to me it still wasn't unwatchable and it was still superior to the regular Monday night broadcast that they have going on. And I think, obviously, they'll get better at those because, you know, ESPN as a, as a team um, doesn't want those to happen. So there's, you know, I'm sure they're working all week to mitigate you know some of the uh, the gaps they had. Teach Peyton how to use the remote uh, a little bit better. Um, so overall, I think it was a, obviously a great first impression. And moving forward, that production part should only get better without the the content of what they're saying suffering. Has there
2: all. been any news of like how that broadcast actually did? Because that'll determine if it continues, right? Like if it's not worth the time and money, they're not going to do it.
0: Oh, I can just about guarantee it did great. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen anything on it, but I would be shocked if it did. I,
2: I wonder if more people tuned yeah, into soon, that than soon, did the here. actual Monday night thing.
0: I, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I wouldn't either. 100%. I, I don't be. know. I don't know that that's the case, but I would not at all be surprised. Let's see if I can
1: find anything. We can move on. but I'm gonna see if So I it's. Find. it says Manning Cast generates good buzz, but low ratings, and that was yesterday. Oh, really?
2: Yeah. See, why would it be? That's going to determine everything, right? If The ratings continue. I mean, you
1: could also like, I don't know, like because there's no more buzz, you could have also just not known about it. You know what I mean? Like because you're so used to tuning in on the ESPN oh. <laughs> regularly. So, all right. so, the, a- so
0: the numbers are paltry compared to TV viewership. So seven yeah. seven point six million watched on ESPN. Yeah. 6.9 million watched on ABC. It was Simon Cast, um, and obviously ABC. I'm actually surprised that ESPN's numbers outdid ABC's just because obviously ABC
1: I, I know, but I still think more Free people channel. just knew it was on ESPN. And like, I didn't know it was on ABC until I turned on my TV guide. I just, I, I, I just I, assumed it was fair. ESPN and the Manicast.
0: Cast. And you go to um. ESPN. The Manning casted eight hundred thousand, which is numbers. I mean, it's sure. not it's not anything to sneeze at, but as a percentage, yeah, nah. we're like. So
2: here, did you see the next one? Four percent Barstool wants to do the Manning cast for Ole Miss versus Tennessee. <laughs> That'd be I mean, awesome. that's
0: that's about the only way people are going to watch that game, and that's so yeah, because Eli went to Ole Miss, right? Yep. Yeah, and then obviously Peyton wins to Tennessee. So that, that would be fun.
1: I, I
2: would um, tune into that game just to I mean, watch.
0: Ole, Ole Miss is going to murder Tennessee. But <laughs> Tennessee's a very bad football team. But it would be fun. It would be interesting. Speaking of murdering college teams, uh, you guys ready for the picks? We start locally. uh, Northern Illinois with Wolverine Slayer, Rocky Lombardi at the helm. <laughs> Travels to Ann Arbor to take off Michigan, who, of course, just had a wonderful beatdown of Washington last week. Michigan, for the first time this season, entering the AP Top 25, checking in at 25. Key number, 27.5 point favorites at home, just under four touchdowns. Four touchdowns will cover.
1: Uh, Northern Illinois gave up 50 points last week to Wyoming, and I think Rocky Lombardi had like three interceptions. Uh, so as, my, as much as I want to pick them, and, and root for my guy here, I think Michigan just gives you a uh, the same dose of medicine that they've given their, their first two opponents. They're just going to run the ball and win by 35 points.
2: Oh. That number seems so large to me. And here's why it seems so large. It's not that I don't think Michigan is better than Northern Illinois by four scores. But they just came off of, a like, that big primetime win last Saturday. And I think I'm going to go with my gut and take Northern Illinois. Yep, I'm going to do yeah, it. Yeah, Rocky. I'm going to do it. I honestly, I kind of hope you're not, right. Not either. to, not to. Just because. Not, I, I think Michigan's going to win. They might win by 27, but, like.
1: How, how, how do we do last week, though? Yeah, that's that.
0: actually... Well, I, I was going to get into it. I actually usually do it after the first so, okay. the Not what? always, but it's usually yeah, after the I'm first Yeah, I'm going to go with
2: but, uh, NIU to cover, but Michigan will win at least by three scores.
0: A.J. A-J is going out on an island here. <clears throat> He's the only one. Six of us right. making picks. Matt, up a game. Don, Dylan aren't here, but they made their picks. All will cash in for Michigan. You heard Ryan. I'm cashing in for Michigan. Uh, so AJ's on an island, and he's got a chance to make up ground, but he doesn't really need to make up too much ground because no one has separated themselves too much. I had a blazing week last week. Like I went five and zero in college.
2: Needed a blazing week last 3-2.
0: week. Three and two, three and three and two in the NFL. So I went eight and two last week, and that lapped the field. I had two games over AJ and uh, Matt who went six and four uh, Ryan, Don and Dylan, I think all split 500, five and five, but I had a rough week one. So I'm 11 and nine on this young season, which is pole position because we have not done well. Ladies and gentlemen, just over 500. I am in the pole position. AJ, Ryan, Matt. I'm sorry. AJ, Don, Matt, all 500, even and ten second place Dylan also technically 500 in second place but he missed a week of picks so he just doesn't count for this and then Ryan in honor of last <laughs> Saturday 9/11 on the season yeah buddy one game so under two games
2: spread between everybody
0: we're At right the there but it's only two yeah, weeks right sure. we're only it's only two weeks we're young young season so we're all right around 500. Um, and we want to be above 500. We want to be closer to 600, sure. right? So we got rookie numbers. We got to pump these numbers up. AJ is trying to do that going against the grain. Myself, I want to see Michigan have three consecutive weeks of over 300 rushing for yards. Sure. I don't know. I don't know the statistics on this, how many FBS programs have one run for 300 yards three straight weeks. My guess is it doesn't happen very often. And I'm hoping we find out just how often, because if they do it, uh, I'm sure ESPN's stats and info is going to tell us. Uh, Northern Illinois' rush defense, by the way, horrible. Not good. Um, I think they're probably going to not do what Washington did, and they're probably going to devote a lot of resources to stopping the run. And one of two things is going to happen. It's either still not going to work, and we're going to run for 300 yards and score a lot of points, or we're not going to try to run into the teeth of their and defense, throw. and we're just going to pass it all over them. Regardless, Michigan will win this game by as many points as they want to. Four touchdowns, very clean number. I definitely like them to cover. I think we beat Western by more than that, who is a much better team um, and ran the ball down their throat. So uh, I like Michigan to cover, as does everybody not named A.J. <clears throat> Moving on to the local team that plays a somewhat real team this week. Uh, Michigan State travels to... Hurricane season, all the way down to humid ass Miami, who's somehow still ranked twenty fourth in the country after getting obliterated by Alabama week one, and then really getting all they could handle from Appalachian State last week, but Miami's still a six point favorite at home.
1: Well, they weren't. They're not bad enough to lose to the Appalachian State, but this spread is wildly disrespectful considering State Michigan State. Really considering Michigan State is already up 7 to 0. So, let me go ahead and take the Spartans and what's really a 13-point spread. Uh, and they're just going to win this game outright. Who no are, are you talking about? I'm so confused. We start we start every game 7-0. Oh, cuz the first play. Uh, I got you.
2: Okay. I got you. Man, that took a way to follow. Okay. Um I think Miami might be the I know we have, like, a lot of frauds on this list, but Miami's football program might be the biggest pretender of something important um, in the nation this year. Like, busting out the turnover chain when you're down, like, a million points to Alabama. Like, all that kind of stuff, right?
1: So, yeah,
2: like, oh, yeah. Cool bling, dude. And then the turnover got overturned. Cool bling, go hand it back to your coach for doing nothing. Um... And Michigan, like, obviously, this is going to be a test for Michigan State. Can they cover six points, though? Absolutely. 100%. I'd even probably pick them to outright win the game.
0: I, I don't, I was actually shocked when I saw this pick. Matt is the only one picking Miami.
1: No, Matt of all no people. Wet blanket.
0: I'm not shocked that anybody picked Miami. I'm just shocked that it was Matt. Uh, I do think people are overreacting a lot here. What I don't like about this game is I don't feel like I have a great grasp on either team. And I feel like I still won't after this game. Uh, I thought Miami was overrated coming into the season. That being said, I don't know if you guys have ever looked at the numbers of how teams play the week after they play Alabama. It's not good. (laughs) It's not good at all. In fact, there's been plenty of numbers out there you want to take a bye week after playing Alabama not before you want to take a bye week after playing Alabama teams have as of a handful of years ago and I don't know what the updated numbers are I cannot imagine they've gotten better teams have a losing record after playing Alabama like overall freaking crazy um it's a tough it's a tough follow Mm -hmm. right the hangover against Appalachian State, it's not that unexpected. Especially the way the other balls kicked all over the field week one. Just obliterated. Michigan State, we talked about it in our preview. Not a good football team. And I stand by that. False. That doesn't mean they're horrible. That doesn't mean they're Maryland. But I don't think they're a good football team. I certainly don't think they're a top 25 team. Not that I necessarily think Miami is Either and one of these teams will be ranked. The winner will be ranked next week. This is just a weird game, and the six-point spread is weird. I'm going to take Michigan State, but this one I'm not confident in. But I don't think Miami's any good either, so it's going to be Matt alone backing Miami on this one. Um, and let, let's hope for, let's hope for a Michigan win. Let's build some momentum into October 30th. Moving on, we just talked a lot about Alabama. Alabama's got a big game this week. Um, Traveling also to the humid swamp, Uh, they take on Florida, in Florida, 11th ranked Florida. And uh, that number doesn't mean dick all to Nick Saban or Vegas. 14 and a half point favorites on the road. One of their biggest SEC games this season.
1: Yeah. am I going to look stupid and pick against Alabama again? Absolutely not. This team is full of demons and warlocks and wizards and everything else that should be illegal in football. Give me the Crimson Tide the rest of the season. The rest of the season. Um, yeah, I look,
2: I mean, again, we go back to the thing is there's college football teams and then there's Alabama. And 14 and a half. Maybe that hook is a little troubling, but I don't think so this week. So give me the roll tide, baby.
0: Alright, me me and Dylan might may look foolish on this one. But uh it's so many points and it's early in the season, and Alabama's looked good, really good. They're Alabama, but they haven't played anybody. And uh I mean Florida I don't think is necessarily that good. They got pretty good defense. Uh, they still don't really know who their quarterback is. That's kind of unfair. Uh, they have a starter. It's, there are people out there that think there's a better option. And they've both played quite a bit. They've played well. Who is and Florida Florida, looks good. Florida has a good team. They're at home. This is one of... I'm sorry, what I did said you say?
2: Who is Florida's starter? Which one? You said they have a starting quarterback.
0: Which one?
2: They <laughs> certainly do. Okay, I I don't know. I haven't watched Florida this year, so Trask went to the NFL, right? Yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Tr- Trask, Trask with the Buccaneers. Okay. Uh, no, F- Emory Jones is a right. starter.
2: Uh, if it wasn't Trask, I don't know who they
0: are. So you don't have to go into it. He's he's banged up. Anthony Richardson has played a fair amount, and he's played pretty well. He brings a really nice dual threat element to the table. Um not that Emory Jones doesn't. I mean, he's he's a runner himself, but Anthony Richardson's kind of electric. Um I mean they're both good. They're both acceptable quarterbacks from what we've seen so far. And we don't we're gonna find out against Alabama. We're gonna find out just how good one of them is Emory Jones probably gonna get the start. Um I I don't know. It's just too many points. Vegas is begging me to take Florida, and I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna relinquish. I'm gonna take Florida. Dylan's gonna take Florida. Both gonna be wrong. Gonna be mad. But 14 and half points a lot. I mean Alabama can go on the road, win a game in the swamp by two touchdowns and not cover. I don't like it, especially I mean they're not not prone to slow starts on the road. I'm gonna take Florida. Pray, that's my strategy this week. Uh, we have the battle for fraud supremacy is a program is our next game. Uh, 22nd ranked Auburn travels to happy Valley to take on 10th ranked Penn State. Just disgusting to even say, um, I don't even know why they're going to suit up this week, knowing their coaches ditching them mm-hmm. for the land of warmth and never rain. Yeah, why is uh, he
2: being rumored there?
0: Uh, I hope money cause it would be such a dumb hire for USC and I don't, I want James Franklin at Penn State forever because he's a horrible football coach. Like the coaching part, he's a solid recruiter, but bad human being, worst football coach. Um, these are two teams that are just not what people think that they are. Auburn at least only ranked 22nd. So it's not crazy. But uh, Penn State's five-point favorite at home's battle of the frauds. Who do you guys have is the least fraudulent.
1: I, I didn't even know this game was happening until I looked at the picks. So um, I'm a little bit more hyped that there is uh, a game. Maybe I can catch like the back end of. I'll take I'll take Penn State though. Night game at Happy Valley. They're probably doing a whiteout. Yeah, they are. Um, coaching, you know, coaching rumors. I think Franklin came out today and probably said, Nah, that's not going to happen." Give me, give me Penn State to knock Auburn out. Like of the top a liar. 25. See, I wouldn't have
2: had any problem actually taking Penn State until those rumors came out, to be honest with you. um, Man, this is to Give me Auburn. Just for no reason at all, other than give me Auburn.
0: For no reason. Other than James Franklin's a fraud. That's all you ever have to say, actually. Uh, it will just be you and Don on that one. And the reason Matt's, or Ryan sorry, said he gets to catch the tail end of that game, maybe, is because Ryan has a wedding to attend. And I do, too. I am stuck going to a wedding. In my case, it's for people that I don't even know. These are the wife's acquaintances. <laughs> so it is so much worse. Uh, and it's extra worse because... The cool thing about our picks this week is we have a game in every time yeah. slot. The two Michigan games kick off at noon. Alabama-Florida kicks off at 3.30. Then you get Auburn-Penn State at 7.30. And our next game is the nightcap. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, regarding this game, I just don't think Auburn's very good. Um, I think Penn State is going to work their way into like the top six or seven before they suffer just. a devastating debilitating stupid loss like the stupid program that they are uh just because they get to play other frauds for a minute and that's how it goes uh, five points isn't a ton I, I don't think Auburn's very good um I actually think the team ironically gonna rally a little bit this week with the stupid rumors I mean honest to God unbelievable um, but I'll take Penn State in this one. I don't uh, SEC teams don't travel north very often, and it, it honestly doesn't usually go well for them when they do. So I, uh, I I will take James Franklin to continue being the fraud ass that he is. Our nightcap though is a game that I am genuinely excited for, which is weird for a Midwesterner, but I really like watching BYU this year. Um, they're not even I mean. They're, Ranked 23rd, not even that good. But once again, I got BYU is home dogs. 10 15, late, late kick for an East Coaster. This one's going to finish about 1 o'clock in the morning, maybe even 2 if it stretches. Uh, but 19th ranked, Arizona State, Herm Edwards, going on the road. Three and a half point favorites on the road. I thought we'd learned this lesson last week with Utah, but we did not.
1: I thought we did because I picked Utah last week mm-hmm. and I look super stupid, but this game is in Provo at night. Uh, I'm all over BYU on this game. In the game, I'll actually probably bet in real life.
2: Yeah, I was also one of those people on Utah last week, and I'll take
0: the Mormons. Uh, better late than never. I was not on Utah last week, I was on BYU. I was on BYU with Jaron Hall, quarterback I really like. Uh, I, I This is a fun team this year. As fun as a West Coast non, non-power team can be, right? I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because that's when I've had time the last couple of years. But these 10 o'clock kicks on a Saturday night as I'm winding down my day, I have really come to enjoy. And watching Utah BYU last week, it was just a fun game, man. Just a really fun game to watch. I, like, I, if I had a second team in college football right now, it's probably BYU. And as long as they stay ranked and keep playing decent teams, you're going to see them on the picks a lot this year. And I'm going to keep picking them. Uh, Matt is the only one that didn't learn from last week, by the way. Matt, Matt is a sole, sole guy going against the grain, picking Arizona State. And it's just... Very weird picks this week. One one or two defectors on mm-hmm. every pick out of six. I mean, we're a lot of tandem, but it's a different guy. Every game is a different guy. Whereas last week, we had like three unanimous picks across the board. We went two and one on those, by the way. So not too shabby. Uh, the only one we lost last week that we all agreed on was Miami, New England. And with that, we get to NFL picks. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: And we lost, right? Because so we all picked New England.
0: NFL picks, we did lose. Yes, NFL picks have been rough for some people. They have been rough for Don in particular. Don went five and zero with me in college picks last. And week.
2: zero and five in the NFL.
0: It's pretty good. Don wouldn't win less in the NFL. It's hard to do. It's not. It's not great.
1: Well, the stupid ass Lions would have just quit.
0: What terrifies
1: he, 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 he me? One,
0: one four. What terrifies me is Don has all the same NFL picks as me this week. So
2: can you please say those so, up really front so that I know? I am praying. <laughs> I know, so we can
0: praying for a Don bounce back. By the way, I the Lions did not cover for our no, picks.
2: It was seven no, and a half. Ours, you're right. They they, they covered real I, life. I yeah, want to clarify because yeah, Ryan
0: kind of made a comment. So I wanted. I just want to make that clear. So we had, a, we had a seven and a half, righteously. Thank God. Oh, man. Uh, we start, we talked about this team a little bit already. The LA Rams, my team, led by my quarterback, Matthew Stafford. Jeez, it's, it's crazy. Just got here this year, but it feels like he's been my quarterback for like a decade. Four point favorites on the road against Indianapolis in the somewhat held together body of Carson Wentz.
1: I think the Colts suck. I think this is another uh, victory lap week for Stafford and McVay. I'm going Rams.
2: 100%.
1: 100%. Give me the Rams.
0: I I hate this so much. we're all picking them. I do. Well, it, but it's the disrespect, honestly. So I actually think Indianapolis is going to be a solid football team this year. And uh, Wentz didn't look bad last week at all. He looked solid. Certainly better than he's looked recently. He looked pretty healthy, especially given the fact that he's not healthy. Um, I don't think Indianapolis is a bad team at all. They are coming off a loss. Seattle last week. But I'm not picking against the Rams. Hell no, I'm not picking against the Rams. I know Indianapolis has a really good defense. I don't care. I got Stafford and McVay. And I'm gonna I'm going to ride this all season because they're going to be on these picks a lot. And I don't think I'm going to pick against them very often. Because I, I'm i going to be watching like I am watching every single other game this season. I, I believe in Stafford, period, in McVay. And I I think they're out on a mission this year. And they're out to score points. And they're not going to take their foot off the gas at any point. They're not going to blow fourth quarter leads like somebody else in the division likes to do. It's just going to be pedal to the metal all season. And i like them to cover pretty much every spread that comes their way. This game we talked a little bit about. This The Manning cast, obviously, was a big topic of discussion tonight. Las Vegas, a big part of that, a big part of one of the dumbest Monday Night Football games I've ever seen, with the dumbest finish I've ever seen. Uh, they travel to a Steelers team that, if you didn't like before the season, you probably still don't like. And if you did like before the season, you probably like even more. They beat Buffalo an AFC contender, to kick off the season. But nobody seems to feel that good about it. Except Vegas, where they're 5.5 point favorites at home over Vegas.
1: 5.5 is too much for me. I think the Steelers probably do end up getting it done. I think it's a weird close game, though. So I'll take Vegas with the points.
2: I was not that impressed on Monday night with Las Vegas, if I'm being completely honest with you. And so, in light of that, I'm going to go with the Steelers to cover. For the sole reason that I think that <sighs> Big Ben will do his thing, spread the ball around, and I think Najee will have a, a much better second game than debut game.
0: We have so little variance this week. I, Ryan, the only person picking Vegas, which is weird to me, because I don't, I don't think he really likes Vegas that much. But uh, I think they're coming in with some hangover. They had a crazy late Mm -hmm. Monday night game against Baltimore. Now they got to kick off early on Sunday. they got to come all the way west coast to east coast. It matters. It absolutely matters. Um, And I think Pittsburgh, I think their offense is going to start getting it going. Uh, Their offense was not good last week against a Buffalo defense that isn't that great. But I think they start to get it going this week. And I think... A little bit, a little bit of letdown off of last week's big win over Baltimore. I think Pittsburgh's defense is going to kind of eat Las Vegas alive, and Las Vegas has a lot of injuries on their defense right now, um, and I, that is not going to help slow down a Pittsburgh offense that I really think is going to start to come into their own. So I, I do, I do like Pittsburgh to cover this one. I, I like them to win by ten plus, to be honest, in a game that I may put real life money on. Seattle Tennessee, I think, is the underrated game. Of the week. Seattle, just like Pittsburgh, five and a half point favorite at home. This one I think low key is a spicy matchup, especially the way Tennessee got manhandled last week, which was a big surprise to a lot of people.
1: Yeah, five five and a half seems like a lot, but I don't know, man. Seattle looked pretty good last week. I think they're probably better than people thought at the beginning of the season. Tennessee might be a little bit worse. Five and a half is a big number, but I can see Seattle coming out um, and putting another hurtin' to push the Titans into panic mode. Give me the Seahawks and uh, and Russell Wilson.
2: Yeah, so going back to our earlier conversation, I think that Seattle's going to win this game, uh, going to cover the spread, and we're going to put the Titans in panic mode like Ryan just said, and they're going to trade the Lions for Taylor Decker.
0: Now, why you got to steal the words out of my mouth? Because that's what we're hoping for, right? I need Seattle's defensive line to just destroy everything the Titans have. I need the Titans. I need the Titans psycho-calling Brad Holmes. And just upping the offer with every 15-minute voicemail that they lead. Like, l- Listen, dude. The first-round pick, the second-round pick, next year's first-round pick, next year's second-round pick— 2027's first round pick, take it all. We got Taylor Decker for you, but we're gonna we're gonna need we're gonna need those picks, baby. Uh, the unfortunate thing is I don't think it's gonna happen. I think we got a regression to the mean game for both teams. Uh, I don't think the score line last week for Seattle was indicative of the game that they played. Not that they played bad. I just don't think that they were as good as the score indicated. In Tennessee, I think is much better than the score indicated, and I think they are due for a big bounce back game. I actually. Wouldn't mind Tennessee with the upset pick here on the road, even though it is in Seattle, but definitely with the points, I I really like them to at least keep this one close. Five and a half is a lot. Don is the only one that agrees with me. And I guess this is where I'm really terrified. Don picked all the same NFL games as me this week. It's a little bit sketch, Uh, but it's us on an island on this one. So it'll be big turnaround for Don if we can pull this one out against everybody else on this pod and associated with this pod. What will be highlighted as the game of the week, but I do not expect it to live up to those expectations. Uh, Sunday night football, Kansas City travels to Baltimore. Uh, Three and a half point road favorites.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it should probably be more. uh, Baltimore coming off a pretty deflating loss uh, against Las Vegas, where they probably thought they had the game won in, in regulation. And, uh, it did not happen, obviously. Um, and I think the Chiefs are, you know, the the best team in the NFL. If not, then they're probably number two. I'm going to take the Chiefs on the road here. Yeah, um, what it, was,
2: it was surprising to me to wake up and learn that Baltimore had lost. Because I thought they were actually in pretty good control of that game. With the Raiders' inability to move the ball very well in the first half. Um... So knowing that, and knowing what Kansas City brings to the table, I don't think three and a half points is much for them to overcome in this game. So give me the Chiefs.
0: That is unanimous. Uh, This one I am absolutely putting real money on, although this will probably be part of a teaser. um, So I would be devastated if that hook caught me because Kansas City is sometimes prone to slow starts and slow finishes. Uh, I think people are overreacting to the first half, of last week, um, Kansas City just gonna obliterate Baltimore if they want to. Baltimore is an overrated football team. Baltimore is an injury, injury prone football team at the moment. Is they are missing a lot of pieces. Uh, Baltimore does not have a quarterback that can throw a football. I, I, I don't, I don't see a path to Baltimore winning this game outside of Patrick Mahomes getting hurt, and even then. Very good chance they still lose this football game. Um, I I think the spread is curiously low. Uh, Way too many people betting on a Baltimore bounce back. Who also, long game, tough loss. Uh, I don't see it, man. This is a tough bounce back. I think Baltimore starts 0-2. And that brings us to the bleep show of the week. Whoever made this a Monday night football (laughs) game, whoever's decision it was, Like I don't know what the options were, man. I don't. I don't know, because listen, ESPN does not get first choice of these games for Monday Night Football. We know that based on the quality of Monday Night Football games. But, this is abhorrent. Detroit, we talked enough about Detroit, traveling to Green Bay, 11-point dogs. Green Bay scored three points last week, I think. Three points when it mattered, at least. What was the final score of that game? Do you remember, Ryan?
1: 30.
0: 38-3. Uh, yeah. Oh, they did only score three points. Jesus Christ. 11-point uh, favorites at home over the Corps of Detroit.
1: Yeah. I mean, the Packers are pissed, obviously. I I think the Lions are pissed, too, though. I'm. This could be not be a close game, and the Packers only win by 9 or 10 or something stupid. They could beat them by 20 if they wanted to. Uh, I'll take the Lions to cover, though. Dan Campbell, Monday Night Football. Uh premier I, I think he'll have the boys ready to play enough to where they're not getting 30 pieced on Monday night football.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm with Ryan on this one. Um Green Bay was just bad Sunday. And we don't know what Aaron Rodgers is going to bring to the table because nobody knows what's going on in the mind of that man,
1: right? So That's right, he's, he's throwing the well, games, right? I was yeah.
2: saying like nobody he doesn't want to be in Green Bay. So what's the best way out of Green Bay? lose right just suck be terrible they have Jordan Love right so who knows who knows I mean we know that every relationship that that dude's ever been a part of has ended badly and we're seeing that unfold so how is he going to sabotage that now we'll see we'll see and it's going to cost my fantasy team this week but (laughs) I will take Detroit to cover because like Ryan said Green Bay could manhandle them and still only win by nine or ten. So you-
0: it is. It is fitting that this garbage Monday Night Football game is the only game that we have a split on, like an actual split, three and three. Uh, Matt is with you guys. He's on the Detroit to cover. Myself, Don, Dylan. Uh, we got Green Bay covering. It's very interesting dynamics, right? You talk about sabotage. This game is. What wins here? Does does sabotage win or does incompetence win? Because it doesn't matter what Detroit wants to do. They're incapable of doing. And then Green Bay, I don't know I don't know what the objective is there this year. Like I think it's to go for a Super Bowl. Then I watched them play against the Saints. And now I'm not sure. I I mean, is Rogers a double agent? Like, is he working for State Farm? Is he working for Sean Payton? What's going on? I don't know what's going on here. He was bad. Like, really bad. About as bad as you can be. I'm sure you guys seen the meme going around. You know, a passer rating. If you just hike the ball every snap and throw it into the ground Tebow style, you would have had a higher passer rating than Rodgers had against the Saints last week. That's pretty bad, right? Well, I know. Um, 1.32 this- points. One point. It's rough, dude. It's rough. I'm just going to keep throwing that out there. But at the end of the day,
1: so man. at the end of the day,
0: I kind of think Rodgers is too prideful because he, I mean, he is an immensely proud person. I kind of think he is too prideful, especially against the Lions, to let that taste last long. I mean, it was disgusting last week the way they got embarrassed, like just in all facets. I think... They will beat Detroit by as much as Rogers wants to beat Detroit by. And I don't think there's anything we can do about it, because they're just vastly better than us. Uh, I don't know how the season's going to go for them, but I feel comfortable that they beat us by a couple touchdowns. And if they do not, I am fully on the AJ Sabotage train. And I would like a full investigation into Aaron Rodgers throwing games, and I think that's illegal, right? Like, can he be in prison for that? Well, I mean, because Aaron Rodgers in prison is kind of what the men NFL men that were banned
2: from baseball for throwing games.
0: No, I don't want him banned. I want him in federal prison. Well, no, that no. I don't think it'll go that far. what's well, Shame. It is. But yeah, we're split. That's that's the pick right. this
1: week.
2: Well, I look forward to my reign at the top.
1: <laughs> Do this. Beautiful. Uh you guys can find us on well, make sure you listen to the podcast first and if you gotten this far, you obviously have. And you can listen to all of our future podcasts and you can tell your friends to listen to our podcast by checking out the Spotify, the Podbean, as well as the Apple Podcast links. Follow us on social media. That's Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Just type in sports carnage in any of those uh websites apps whatever you're working with and then you'll find us there as well and make sure that you're subscribing to the YouTube because we do drop post game reactions to uh, Michigan Michigan State and Lions football games uh, this week the Michigan Michigan state ones will probably be the the day after um, because we have weddings to attend and things like that but they'll they'll still get up